Welcome to this special edition of the Cavett Ships podcast from the Navy League Sea Air Space Exposition just outside Washington, D.C. The Cavett Ships podcast is sponsored in part by HII. HII is a trusted defense and technologies partner supporting all services in all domains and America's only builder of nuclear-powered aircraft carriers. HII delivering hard stuff done right. And by GE Marine, a GE aerospace company offering unparalleled power and propulsion for ships from the biggest combatants to the smallest, fastest patrol boats. GE's propulsion solutions are ready for the next generation of sea power. And by Helicon Chemical. Helicon Chemical is solving the military's biggest pain point, getting more range out of conventional and hypersonic weapons. Using their patented technology, Helicon offers the ability to upgrade legacy missiles by combining the stability of solid rocket fuel with the performance of a liquid propellant. Sitting down with Mark Vandroff, he is the Chief Executive Officer of Fincantieri Marinette Marine up at Marinette, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the podcast, Mark. Thanks, Chris. It's always great to talk to you. And likewise, your, your yard up in uh, Wisconsin, has there, there's an awful lot going on up there. Just to, for folks to refresh, you're building three kinds of ships right now, three classes of ships. Correct. Uh, littoral combat ships under prime contractor littoral uh, Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, US yes. Navy. Uh, multi-mission service, service combatants, combatants also, also Lockheed mm -hmm. correct program and now you're the prime on, on the constellation on, class frigates yes right. so this is a big deal big deal and you're rebuilding you're not only building all these ships at once you're about to have by the way we just happened to talk you just about a week and a half away from your last LCS launch would be a sideways right. launch as that program is winding down um, you are rebuilding your yard again. Fincantieri rebuilt the yard in a major way when they, when they acquired the yard while continuing construction of ships. Now you're rebuilding your yard again while you're continuing construction of ships. So I know you've cut steel on the Constellation FFG-62. You haven't had the, had the keel laying yet. Keel laying, we currently anticipate uh, August of this year, of August of 2023, but we are still uh, working with the Navy on the exact date, but uh, but it, let's just say for now, late summer of uh, 2023. It's kind of a ceremonial thing, but you, I mean, the point is production is underway on the frigate. Production right is now. absolutely underway on the frigate. We have so, several grand modules currently under construction. So you're, I mean, you're you're not just the, the ships are not just being built there. You use other aspects of Fincantieri Marine Group. Absolutely. So within Wisconsin, there are three yards that are owned or affiliated with Fincantieri. There's uh, my yard, Fincantieri Marinette Marine. Uh, cross uh, Sturgeon Bay, you have, uh, or excuse me, across Green Bay in the city of Sturgeon Bay, you have Fincantieri Bay Shipbuilding. Uh, that yard does uh, commercial repair, commercial construction, and also assists Marinette with military construction. They will frequently, for the LCS and MMSC, they've built modules of ships and barged them across uh, uh, Green Bay, and then those outfitted modules are attached uh, during the ship erection on the ships that we're delivering. Uh, we expect that uh, uh, just under a third of each frigate Will be modulars will be formed of modules that will be built it's over Surgeon in Bay. Surgeon Bay, uh, and then also when you build a ship, you end up cutting and forming a lot of parts out of raw steel. So you you know things that stiffen and wedges and the kind of kind of things that you weld into place in order to create 
the skeleton of the ship apart from the, the sides and the panels. Uh, and so that has been divvied up between Marinette and Bay. We've got some parts cut on our cutting table, some parts cut on, on the Bay cutting table uh, with an attempt to, uh, to try and keep both cutting tables used as efficiently as possible. So we're cutting one size steel, they're cutting the other. That way you never have to kind of reset and each yard stocks just their size of steel and then you ship the parts back and forth as you need them. Uh, so that's been a, something we've tried at the beginning. We're still working through it to try and get the most efficiency we can in the, uh, in the construction of the Constellation. Uh, I'll just say a word going back to, uh, to LCS. We have our last side launch right. uh, is coming up on April 15th. That'll be the future USS Cleveland. That'll be the last of the LCSs and then all of our LCSs will be in the water in final stage of construction. Uh, and then we've got, it'll also be the last ship that we side launch. Uh, by the time the, uh, the SOD, which is the first of the uh, uh, MMSCs that, like you said, uh, we're partners with Lockheed Martin on a FMS case to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. By the time she's ready to go in the water, uh, the, uh, the ship lift uh, will be finished. So we'll have a, a ship lift that can take up to 10,000 tons, put them, take them in the water, put them out, pull them out of the water. And so we'll put, we'll launch the, all of the Saudi ships, uh, via the ship lift, just like we will do the, uh, the constellation. And that ship lift is, uh, progressing very well. You, every day you see more and more ship lift coming together there on the waterfront. So that'll also finish up at the end of this summer. When are you looking to launch that, that first MMSC? So right now we're thinking it's probably going to be at either the very end of 2023 or very early in 2024. Uh, the first ship, like all lead ships, uh, it's a modified LCS, but in some ways it's very much a lead ship. Lead ships are always challenging. Uh, the ship will be fully erected uh, by the middle of the summer there within the, uh, the LCS erection bay. So all the pieces will be put together from the outside. It'll look like a ship, but there's still a fair amount of internal work that will need to be done. And that's because it's a first time for that ship. Uh, it won't be as fast as the, as the LCSs that we've built as far as 27, 29, 31, where once we got the ship together, it got ready to launch very quickly. Um, the, the good news is we're learning those lessons. So Saudi ships two and three, which we're doing a lot of construction on now, are coming together faster than one came together, as one would expect when you build a new ship for the first time. Just to give folks a sense of the, of, of, um, the difference between the side launch and the ship lift launch, so Cleveland, LCS Cleveland. 31, her, 30, yes. her percentage of completion is going to be about what at launch? Just over 80%. 80, just over 80%, just which over is still pretty high. For, for a side launch, yeah, it'll yeah. be near our best and it'll be just over 80%. When you so, launch the Saudi ship, what's that going to be? Supposed so to be? our plan is for 90%. 90%. So you can you can launch a much more complete ship because there's things that you can't do if you're going to side launch a ship, just because you know. For example, not that um, not that the LCS has this, but for the Saudi ship and for Constellation, you have a vertical launching system. Uh, if you put a vertical launching system on a ship and side launched it, you would then have to do all your alignments over again after the side launch. Uh, but with a, a ship lift, you can do your, your launching system alignments there on land, which is far more efficient, quicker, cheaper, uh, lower it slowly in with a ship lift and you don't have to realign your launcher. And that's just one example of a lot of things that 
you can't do ahead of time when you're side launching the ship. So, you know, so we're it's a it's a great piece of technology and a real game changing infrastructure improvement that we are able to uh, to have that uh, that ship lift. And so, you know, the Saudi ships will benefit from it, and of course. Uh, all the ships of the Constellation class, that's how we'll put there in the water. Much higher levels of uh, completion will be able to do because we are not side launching the ship. Mark, in addition to the um, ship lift, you, you've got a lot of projects going on or you've had them going on. Can you give us an update on some of the other major things sure. going on? So new automated panel line. So if you think about a panel line, a ship, a ship is a shipyard is basically a system that turns steel into something that floats. Uh, and step one of that is to take the plates of steel that come from a steel yard and turn them into panels. You have to weld the, the plates together and then you have to cut where they need to be cut, and shape where they need to be shaped, and stiffen where they need to be stiffened. And that happens on a panel line. Think Cantier Marinette Marine's old panel line was a, a manual panel line, something that would be very familiar to, uh, to a lot of shipyards, uh, proven technology, we probably had anywhere between 20 and 24 welders working there at any one time. And frankly, some of what they had to do was a little sporty. So if you're going to take two big panels of steel and join them together, you have to weld one side and then pick it up with a crane, flip it over and weld the other side. Uh, when you have a robotic panel line, the plates just come on through. And when it's time to weld them together, the robot goes over, under, done and sends it on its way. So we've replaced what had been the work of 20 people now with uh, two or three tack welders, an operator, and, uh, and a series of robots on the panel line that do the, uh, the welding. So that's been uh, in, in service now for almost a year, and we're doing all of our panels for the, uh, for the frigate on that automated panel line. So that was the first big improvement. I mean, we had to build, we, we took an existing building and renovated it extensively for that, uh, for that panel line. Uh, we build ships inside when we go to erect them, and you can't fit a frigate in an LCS erection bay. Uh, so we built a new frigate erection bay, uh, what we call building 34. No one cares about the number, but you know, so it's, it's similar to how we've been building the LCS and the MMSC, but it's now just a building with two bays each bay is big enough so that we can assemble a fully fully built frigate except for the mast. We have to roll it out of the building to put the mast on. But from keel up to top of the bridge, uh, you can assemble a whole frigate there. You can power it with shore power. Uh, you know, you can do a fair amount of testing on the within the building there. You can't, can't radiate radar because that would be unsafe. But there's a lot of the internal testing you can do while it's in the building uh, before you're ready to put it in the, in the water. So that's done, panel line's done, ship lift getting near done, and then the last major improvement is uh, we have a great blast and paint facility for LCS and MMSC, but it is too small to take some of the frigate modules. The modules are too tall to fit through our blast and paint facility. So we've repurposed another building that has a higher roof. Uh, and we are in the process of turning that into a blast bay and a paint bay for the tall frigate modules. Uh, we won't be using that until 2024. All of the parts of the frigate that we're building this year 
are ones that are lower in the ship. Those modules aren't too tall, so they can go through the same blast and paint facility that we've been using for blasting and painting LCS. But by next year, we'll have the tall bays for the taller frigate modules. Also, those are just the big major muscle moves, uh, but we're also you know, doing uh, uh, improvements to our transfer path. That'll be ongoing here soon so that we can move pieces of the frigate around uh, in the yard. That'll require some regrading, some reconcreting, uh, new welding machines uh, to improve welder efficiency and also to improve our ability to document the quality of the welds to the Navy, uh, which is required by the frigate contract. So there's, there's a lot of other smaller capital improvements, but the ones I mentioned are the big four. Yeah, you have a video that's on the side of your booth here that shows the progress that's been made. I mean, it really is eye-watering for those that have been to the yard over time to see how much has been done uh, in that short amount of time. Um, last time we had John, you talked about people. Um, you, you know, how, how are you doing on the hiring? Uh, how, how's that going? So, uh, once again, we're hiring. The, for, the help sign is out. Uh, help wanted sign is out at both uh, Marinette Marine and at Bay Shipbuilding. Uh, we have been progressing. Uh, in 2022, the workforce, the blue-collar workforce, grew from just over 900 uh, to just under 1,100. So we've got people uh, that we're, uh, we're using to execute our book of business. But to get to a point where we can build two frigates a year consistently, uh, we're going to need more folks. I think we've said, I've said publicly, we need probably another couple hundred blue-collar uh, and some number of white collar uh, engineers and supervisors to go with that. Uh, so, you know, we're, the hiring sign is out. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, recruiting, a lot of advertising uh, to uh, within the state of Wisconsin and, and frankly around the country. Uh, and we're, uh, we're definitely looking to hire there in, in uh, Marinette. Okay. Well, Mark, that's been great. Folks, we've been talking to Mark Vandroff. He's the Chief Executive Officer, Fincontier and Marinette Marine, the prime contractor for the U.S. Navy's Constellation class frigates. Mark, thanks for being our guest again. Thank you, Chris, always a pleasure. All right, we're still at Sea Airspace and uh, just outside Washington, D.C. Today we're talking with Fred Pasquin. He is the president of Fairlead. Fairlead is a Virginia-based company that I gotta admit, I thought it was really a marine services company for a long time. This is not true. This is a company that is in, you're on the aircraft carrier program, you're on the submarine program, both submarines. You are expanding, you are seem to be a company on the move. So Fred, tell us about Fairly. what's going on here? Yeah, Chris, I'd be happy to do that. It's one of my favorite topics. So <laughs> uh, we still do some marine services and we have four different operating divisions. The division that does marine services is uh, Fairly Boatworks in there we repair ships and boats. We have three other divisions. We have another division that engineers and builds equipment that goes on ships and submarines. We have another division that builds structures for ships and submarines. And our latest division, dock and storage, we dock ships and store large sections of ship structures. Now the ship structures we're building for aircraft carriers and submarines, they're large structures. They could be 50 tons, the size of a, a, a small house, and uh, it's a lot of steel in each of those. I mean, you're, 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 so you're building some fairly significant hull components for the aircraft carrier program as a subcontractor to Newport News. What are you building for them? Well, the, the easiest way to describe it is uh, when you're building an aircraft carrier, just think of it as Legos. 
and uh, there, there's there's small Legos like the the little piece parts, and then those turn into to larger sections of Legos that then get moved and moved on and so forth. And uh, and so the the units that we're building are called uh, base A units, and there's a uh, thousand to eleven hundred of those units on an aircraft carrier, and it's those building blocks that make up an aircraft carrier, and we are uh, building those, preserving those, storing them, and then barging those to Newport News Shipbuilding because they're too large to go over the road. When, when did that come about? How long have you been doing that? Uh, uh, for two and a half years. Pretty interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that was a good journey. Uh, we had one waterfront facility that we bought back in 2015 and it was it was a former Davis Boat Works in Newport News and we we would always joke to say we are the uh, the second largest shipyard in Newport News you know you have Newport News shipbuilding right. with about 25,000 employees or so and we had a couple hundred so we, they were they had us by a lot but we we would say that joke and uh, but we had a waterfront facility and we had a lot of opportunities at that time to start bidding some of the uh, structures that were needed to support Newport News Shipbuilding. And uh, we built the first uh, fabrication fixtures. So this is, these are fixtures that are used in the fabrication process. So they go to the customer and they're used. And we built those in the dirt. <laughs> and that was really hard. And we did it. And we met all the quality requirements. and the delivery requirements but we said uh if we're going to keep doing this we, we can't do it in the dirt we have to do it on what's called a fabrication platen it's concrete has embedded right. steel in though and, and we made our first investment without having a contract and built this fabrication platen that's 70 feet by 240 feet in newport news virginia on a small five acre plot and uh, at that time i said I, I want us to be the panama canal to Newport News Shipbuilding. I want, you know, if we can get everything coming through this facility and touch it before it goes to Newport News, we'll, we'll do well. Well, that was a pretty large, hairy, audacious goal to have with just a small five-acre facility. So in 2019, Ocean Marine and Yacht Center was for sale, which is just adjacent to uh, Norfolk Naval right, Shipyard. On the, on the Elizabeth River in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. Yep. Right next to yeah, yep, Norfolk right Naval next, Shipyard. Uh, Norfolk Naval Shipyard's our next door neighbor. And uh, we didn't buy that company, but we bought the assets of that company. And that was a, that was, uh, a fast process. We, uh, we heard on a Wednesday that uh, Ocean Marine was having some challenges. On Thursday, myself and two others from our team went and looked at the facility. On Friday, we invited their their president at the time to come and meet with us. I, I had breakfast with him on Saturday, and on Monday, we made the offer and had an agreement to buy the facility. Wow. So we went from uh, Wednesday to Monday, had the agreement to buy that facility. And that was a 12, 12 and a half acre, beautiful facility. And then we, we were able to buy another two and a half acres, so now that's a 15 acre facility. And so beginning in 2019, we transformed that facility from a yacht repair facility to a warship building facility. And that's where we're doing all of our large fabrication and it has two great preservation booths to, to do large structures. We're right. doing that there. Then last August, August of 2020, we were able to secure a 50 year lease with Norfolk Southern 
for Lambert's Point Dock. August 20, 2022. Yes, 2022, August of 2022. And we secured a 50-year lease where, uh, you know, people ask, is, it, is a lease better than a buy? When you have a 50-year lease, it's not, it's, it's not that different. This is yeah. a significant period. This is for folks trying to envision this. This is sort of just upriver or downriver, which would, well, if, yeah. if you're at Norfolk Naval Base and you're going upriver to Norfolk, yeah, it's one of the first major piers that's on the left side as you go up to Norfolk. Uh, it's a, it's yes. been there for many, many years. Yeah, it's a, yes, a yeah, whole place. It, yeah. There's nothing quite like it, uh, it particularly in the port of uh, Hampton Roads. It has 134 acres of that can be brownfield developed. It has over a mile of deep water piers. What does that mean brownfield developed? Brown, brownfield is that it's already permitted to do industrial work. So it's not, you know, like oftentimes, for instance, in uh, Albany, there's a, there's a new offshore wind facility that's that's being built. That's Greenfield. It was a farm. It's getting converted. Okay. So this was an industrial facility. It is an industrial facility uh, that, that we will convert as well. And uh, it has over a million square feet of warehousing. It has a mile of piers, and it has 134 acres. And, it, and it's just been a game changer. You, we, we called our Wavy Street... Uh, Ocean Marine and Yacht Center purchase, game changer number one, uh, the acquisition of Lambert's Point Dock, which we have rebranded as Fairwinds Landing. We, we call that game changer number two for us. Wow. Game changer in that it gave you more uh, capacity and capability to do the type of work that you, uh, that you want to do? Yeah, five acres uh, to be the, quote, Panama Canal. Uh -huh. that, that's just not enough for a shipyard. Now uh, we have... Uh, 50 acres at Fairwinds Landing that we're dedicating to supporting uh, U.S. Navy ship construction needs. So what comes next? I mean, you, I mean that's a that's an amazing story. And as Chris and I have grown this podcast, and I mean it's kind of cool to hear these stories of of growth um, because they're so important to um, the support that is provided to not only shipbuilding but ship repair. But w where does Fairlead go next? What does the next five years look like for you guys? Yeah, well, we put you on the spot. No, here, no, 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 I, I I'm happy. We uh, we do. Um, we're pretty disciplined to doing strategic planning. And just before I I came to uh, to this event, I was working with our senior advisor, Roger Sexauer, on our our strategic plan over the next couple of years. And um, what we see is the nuclear Navy shipbuilding community is underserved right now. It's underserved in that. The demand for the ships is getting increasingly, increasingly higher. And in, in public forums, you're starting to hear, we have to bring aircraft carrier constructions in closer. We, ha we have to do it faster. We have to double the output of Virginia-class submarines. And then the next great American warship, the Columbia-class submarine, it's two and a half times the size of Virginia. So that's coming on top. And so there's just a large amount of work that has to be accomplished to support both Newport News and Electric Boat. And we see our opportunity is how do we keep adding value to those two customers that if we have a section of that ship or boat, how can we do more with it while we have it? And that's really what we see is our big opportunity. So with that opportunity, you've talked about the investment side um, in, in terms of facilities. Um, we hear when we talk to shipbuilders and ship repair folks that um, 
hiring and keeping people is difficult. Um, how, for a, an operation your size, uh, you, you know, how, how do you make sure that you get the right people to do this type of work? Well, how, how many people have you got there? Well, uh, we have around 300. And, and we had a little bit more um, last year, but we, we've seen a, uh, a, a, little, a little bit of a pause or a downturn, but that, that's temporal. That, that will return. Uh, I, I want to be careful and caveat what I'm about to say because the scale of the problem that Electric Boat or Newport News or, or Fincantieri and, and, Mar and Marinette, the scale of their problem is different from the scale of our, our problem. Uh, if Newport News Shipbuilding, for example, in our area, if they need additional welders, they're, the, what they're looking at is maybe 1,500 additional welders. Well, the solution set to that problem is quite different for someone like us who may need 50 to 100 welders. It's, it's a much uh, easier problem to solve. And I, I, uh, I push back on, on my contemporaries who have who have medium-sized companies like us who say, well, we, we just can't find talent. You know, kids are, kids are looking at TikTok while they're welding and blah. And we're right on the Elizabeth River. We have aircraft carriers and submarines that go by our facilities. And, and, and I look at that and say, well, we can't find people to want, who want to do this. And say, if you can't get the younger next generation excited about seeing that, it, the problem isn't that TikTok is available. The problem is your leadership isn't interesting. That's a good point. It's just that's just the case. Yeah. If if you have a leadership team that energizes the culture to get the workforce engaged and excited about seeing an aircraft carrier, seeing a submarine come by, and know you're tied into something way bigger than yourself. That, then you then you're missing the mark as a leader. So we haven't we haven't had recruiting problems. We haven't had uh, retention problems. We have uh, we have the ability to get, to get the talent we want. And and what we've learned is we hire for fit to our culture. We hire people who fit our moral compass, our values, our standard, our speed of decision making, our risk tolerance, all those things, and we train for skill after that. Because if we get if we get someone who we think will fit our culture, then we know we can train them. And we have, uh, I think we have one process in our company that's cumbersome and difficult and annoying, and it's our job application process. <laughs> but we do that on purpose because we want that employee and find that employee that's going to work hard and harder and harder because they want to come work for Fairly. Because those are the same people that refuse to walk by trash in a shipyard. They're the same people that see welding leads out in the yard and will wrap it up. They're the same people that will ask smart questions. So if, you, if, if, if companies find, how do I do the smart things to find people who match where we're going, who we are, what, what we want to do? That's that's the that's the secret sauce. You just have to do it. I love these conversations because we, Chris and I, have been all over and visited shipyards. There were there are people that'll peddle you bull or peddle you nonsense. I can tell by like your passion and your excitement. You're you're not one of those guys. So it's kind of cool to hear you uh, hear you talk about that. Um, I'll ask one more question and then let Chris uh, finish. Um, we talk to a lot of large shipbuilders. 
um, and, and their story is well known. What do folks in the Navy or on the Hill, um, what do they need to know about small to medium size uh, businesses like yourself that, that maybe they don't hear regularly um, unless they get chances to hear conversations like this? The one message that, we're, that I think medium and small businesses are aligned on is it's a difficult business. It's a difficult business contractually. And the processes maybe are more burdensome and cumbersome than they need to be. And we call that process sludge at, at, at Fairly. You know, you just think about when something is just so hard to get through, it just feels like sludge. Maybe like doing your taxes. <laughs> you know, that, it, that's just a, that's a sludgy process going to the DMV. The Department of Motor Vehicles, that's a sludgy process. Amazon removes all of that, right? You know, a company like Amazon, they they have removed all the sludge from the process and it's it I mean if you I don't know if you guys have uh have uh, significant others like mine that you just have an Amazon box show up every day, but you see they they uh they've removed I, that sludge. I'm the guilty yeah. party at my oh, house, so I can't <laughs> hang that on my wife. <laughs> but it takes a lot of administration. It takes a lot of patience. It it takes uh, a lot of energy to process all of the requirements. And I think sometimes, in in uh, my professional opinion, there's there needs to be a little bit greater risk accepted when when competent, credible companies have proven. I have a process that you don't have to audit me all the time. You don't have to come behind and check all the time. Like, let's get it sped up. Let's go a little faster. Let's remove some of the sludge. That is the message. All right, Fred, just, just before we go, we didn't. I didn't ask, what do you all do on the submarine programs? Yeah, on, so on the submarine programs, we are uh, preserving and, um, and putting tile on part of the Columbia class superstructure. So we're, so we're doing that. And then we also provide about 15 different uh, electrical distribution cabinets on the Virginia and Columbia class submarines. So electrical components. Y yes, sir. As opposed to steel fabrication. Yeah, we do both. Yeah. Yep. Pretty interesting. Yep. Well, folks, we've been talking to Fred Pasquin. He's the president of Fairlead, a, a company that is on the move in Virginia. Fred, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Right. Thanks Thank for coming you. to see us. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. That does it for this episode. As always, our thanks go out to Vaga Maradian and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support. Be sure to follow us at Cavus Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And for Chris Cavus, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Hey.